This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, welcome to the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast. Mike Basegli, Evan Roberts. We're in pissy moods because the Nets lost the basketball game. And, bro, here's the thing. They didn't just lose a basketball game. They got their ass kicked on national television. So let's start there. They got embarrassed by the L.A. Lakers without LeBron James, without Anthony Davis, without Dennis Schroeder, who got ejected because him and Kyrie Irving went at it. It was it was in a lot of ways, besides the Piston game from earlier this season, maybe their most embarrassing loss. Yeah, and it obviously came at a terrible time, as you mentioned, on national TV. And I think... I think you look long-term, hopefully this is a wake-up call for them that they just can't, you know, decide to show up to a game and think they're going to win. You know, it's the Lakers on the jersey, but they came in there not thinking they were playing the Lakers without AD, without LeBron, without Kyle Kuzma. They didn't really care. And it was apparent, and it showed. And it definitely showed, too, when Kyrie got kicked out because they were down 56-52, and he was the one that was giving them some life. And when he was gone, it was like they just had no chance, no energy, no vibe, nothing going on. And it was a pure ass whooping. And it was one of the few games this year I can remember in the fourth quarter as a loss, just being like, I'm going to watch Alizé Johnson playing. Curious if he can give him some minutes. (laughs) There was nothing. There was nothing positive from the game. It sucked. Yeah. You know what? If you're looking for things to be concerned about, because at the end of the day, this isn't really a finals preview in a lot of ways. Obviously, the Nets weren't fully healthy. Kyrie got ejected, which, look, could happen in a playoff game. You never know. And obviously, the Lakers more so than even the Nets are without their stars. They're without everybody. But I think the thing that jumps out at you and certainly jumped out at me was Andre Drummond. And the fact that he really bullied LaMarcus Aldridge a bunch of times, I was surprised DeAndre Jordan didn't get into this game. We're obviously fans of the fact that DeAndre's role has been limited, but if there is ever going to be a night where DeAndre Jordan plays, would be against Andre Drummond. would be in a game like last night where LaMarcus Aldridge after the game said all the right things. I got to watch the tape. I got to be better. I'm disappointed, blah, blah, blah. And he's not going to play Monday against Minnesota. They're calling it a non-COVID-related illness. So hopefully he's okay. But I think the fact that Drummond, a guy who is the apple of my eye and your eye, ends up with the L.A. Lakers and is playing bully ball against it appears the guy the Nets preferred in LaMarcus Aldridge, it just kind of showed some of the fears that we have about teams that have size and certainly Andre Drummond specifically. Yeah, I wouldn't read too much in DeAndre Jordan not playing because I don't, if this was the playoffs, Evan, where things are micromanaged, each game we hear the term, which team will make the adjustments. 
this is a regular season game where I think they're trying to get the vibe and the rotation set. So I, I don't think all of a sudden you're going to see DeAndre Jordan, but then they're going to go up against Minnesota, or I guess you said no Aldridge, so that might change, but they're going to go up against all these other teams and then he disappears for two weeks. So that would have surprised me a little bit. If that was a playoff matchup where it's strictly about matchups, Yes, I think coach goes to his bench and says, what gives me the best defensive matchup here in guarding Drummond? And then DeAndre would play. But based on the circumstance of the regular season, I think it would be weird to play for a couple of weeks. And then he sits again and disappears. That could be kind of just an odd optic on their end. So they didn't choose to do that. But yeah, all the fears came true. It's, you know, Drummond in the post. He had some post moves going around uh, Aldridge, who admitted in the post game. He's like, I was terrible defensively. Like, this one's on me. Yeah, no which kidding. Was good to he- which was good to hear, I guess. But yeah, I mean, all, all of those nightmares came true. Nothing could happen offensively. They couldn't make shots. Joe Harris had probably his worst offensive performance of the season. And the guys got, you know, kind of beat up by the Lakers' second unit. It was a disaster. Yeah, look, I just... DeAndre Jordan's on this roster, and I'm sure Steve Nash has already sat down with him and told him, look, your role's going to be limited, but we still need you. I'm sure that's the selling point. There's going to be a moment where we need you. That was a night for at least him to get minutes, and I don't give a rat's ass about optics. Oh, he may play tonight and not play for a week. Look, as you just said, he's probably going to play Monday against Minnesota because LaMarcus is out. You want to keep guys fresh. You want to keep guys out there. And even though he's a veteran, you want to keep guys thinking they have a role on this basketball team. And when Andre Drummond is just pushing LaMarcus Aldridge around, why not say, all right, DeAndre, you haven't played in five games. Let's see what you got. And maybe you would have gotten an inspired DeAndre Jordan. Look, I don't think it makes the difference in the game. I think you hit on it. This was one of those cliched games where one team wanted it more than the other. It's a cliche, but it's also really true. Sometimes the Lakers wanted it. The Nets were playing with their heads up their asses half the time, but I just didn't think it made sense to avoid going to Deandre Jordan on a night like that, but it was a bad night all around. Look, it's great to see KD back. I'm glad Kevin Durant was out there for 24, 25 minutes. So he's slowly building up his minutes. Can I criticize KD about something? Is that allowed? Are we allowed to Turn- criticize Durant? Turnovers? Yeah, dude, the turnovers are insane. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I got to tell you. Even in the first game back where he was perfect from the field, he turned the ball over a bunch. And then last night or Saturday night, whenever you're listening to this podcast, it may be last night, uh, I think he had eight turnovers in 22 minutes. I mean, KD, what are we doing? I mean, I guess you like the idea of him pushing the tempo and trying to get plays and trying to get offensive movement. I don't know off the top of my head, you know, I don't, I don't know the turnovers uh, where they happen, but I feel like a lot of them happened when he was trying to find LaMarcus Aldridge. And I feel like so many of those passes were intercepted and just did not work out. But yeah, the tur- turnovers were bad for him. I, I mean, he had a nice game, I guess, looking at the box score and sense of like, he put up points quick, but they just, he, there was a stretch Evan where him and Kyrie just missed all of these shots that we're used to making and it was weird to see him miss it i remember like he got into the paint and it was like a 11 12 footer falling back i'm like oh they make this oh they he makes this and both of these guys did not make shots and it was just a weird feeling and sensation also strange to me about this game was they got down early and then they took the lead in the second quarter and i went okay here are the nets they lollygagged for you know 18 minutes. Now they've decided to come to come to play. They took the lead. They went up three or four points, and then the Lakers just fought right back. Then the Kyrie ejection and it was a disaster, and that that surprised me a little bit. When the Nets took the lead, I said, you know what? 
that that was just the typical not caring. They, they've kicked it into gear. Now they're gonna, they're going to win this game, but uh, clearly it never happened. Yeah, Kyrie being out obviously killed him. Plus, you know Ben Mclemore was awesome in this game. That awful. Schroeder was awesome until he got ejected. We mentioned Andre Drummond. Caldwell Pope hit a bunch of threes. Um, it just sucked. I mean, it's you know, yeah. not that not that we should harp too much on it. It's one game. It's not. Sure you know, really worrying me down my spine. There were just issues from the game that are certainly worth bringing up. And look, without James Harden and then without Kyrie Irving, I mean, there's nobody to really run this offense, even 25% of what Kyrie or James Harden does, especially with Tyler Johnson out, who I think they miss. I think Tyler Johnson's in the playoff rotation. He can hit threes and he can defend. And so without Kyrie, without James Harden, now you're looking at Landry Shamit and Bruce Brown and Timofey Lawabo Cabarro. Chioza. Chris Chioza, who, you know, we, we like Chris Chioza, but he is what he is. I mean, let's, let's not pretend yeah. you know, Chris Chioza is any more than what he is. So it just sucked. And I, it added a little bit that it was national TV because then you start to hear from people who may not normally watch the Nets right. that are checking in. So it was an annoying loss. That's how I'll define Saturday night against the LA Lakers. A very annoying loss. Yeah, and remember that they they had the uh, the Dallas loss was also uh, a national yes. team, I believe. That yeah. was also a Saturday at eight thirty game. So it's like all these national games they're putting up losses. Um, yeah, it was in the grand scheme of things, it won't matter. I mean, I would say that the, we've talked about this on this on this podcast. The one seed matters. I think I was reading a stat that the Philadelphia 76ers, the last two seasons, are 51 and nine at home. I don't know what their road record is, but obviously it's not as good. So, I mean, for me, the one thing that this regular season, if anything matters, is going out and getting the one seed so they don't have to see, let's say, hypothetically, a Sixers team in the Eastern Conference Finals in Philly four times as preferred to in Brooklyn if it went to seven. But realistically, yeah, this game sucked. Yeah, it was a bad loss, but you just have to move on. You have to push forward. Uh, it, it, it's going to be about what happens in the playoffs. That ultimately will decide everything. But again, I think what you hit on before, the big concern was Drummond bullied them in the post. That's something to worry about moving forward. Other than that, like like that's the big takeaway. Energy, caring, trying, turnovers – They'll be okay, but getting the right. crap beat out of them down low with a center, that's something that's a concern. Yes, that's that's the flaw that isn't fixed just by competing more. Um, the other thing I I look at and I start to wonder about, if, if you're listening right now, you may or may not know, Kyrie Irving is not going to play Monday night against Minnesota. It's another personal day. I, look, we're not going to sit here and speculate what his personal days are. Hopefully everything's okay. I'll leave it at that. But they play Wednesday against the Philadelphia 76ers. If you feel that the number one seed is important, and I'm sure there are people listening who say it's no big deal, it doesn't matter, and I'm sure there are some people listening saying, yes, it's a big deal, not only because you have a game seven in your building, but you avoid a potential second-round matchup with the Milwaukee Bucks. So I see both ends. To me, I want the number one seed. That's a huge game. You've got the tiebreaker on the line in this game. So it's not only a game in the standings in which right now the Nets and 76ers have the exact same record. It is a tiebreaker game. There are three meetings between the Nets and Sixers. They've split the first two meetings. So 
if you care about the one seed, and I get it, you may say you don't care about the one seed, but if you care about the one seed, Wednesday night is the biggest game the Nets will play the rest of the season. That That's the way it feels. So I have no idea if Kyrie Irving is going to play Wednesday night. I know he's not playing Monday, which leads me, I don't know how you feel, to assume he's not going to play Wednesday. And so to be without Kyrie, to be without James Harden, and to rely on KD as the one standing superstar who's probably on some kind of minutes restrictions, sure. I feel god-awful about this game now. Well, we remember when the Nets, the Nets have played the Sixers so far this season. Every time they play, play Philly, it has been a shell of what their roster is going to be. <laughs> yes. And every time, it's a different it's a different uh, group of guys that come together. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the first time they played the Sixers, they had none of the three stars. Correct. But that was Levert had a great game. Allen played well. Right. Then the second time with Harden, that, that game was close-ish in the third quarter, and then Philly had a huge push, and the game wasn't really close going into the fourth quarter. And here we are now. If there's no Kyrie and there's Durant, who's on a minutes restriction, with now a whole different new set of roster. It's like we have not seen the Nets, quote-unquote, play the Philadelphia 76ers at all. Now, again, maybe Kyrie plays, and it's a different story. But right now, it's like my hunch, Evan, would say he does not, based on his track record of missing games when he does take personal days. And again, as you said, you know, hopefully everything's cool and everything's good, but things have shown when he takes a couple days, when he takes a game off for something that's important to him off the court, agree or disagree, it's more than one game. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And look, I'm not concerned about what the Nets have done against the Sixers because of what you just said. We haven't seen a real Nets Sixers game this right. season. The first time they played, as you pointed out, none of the big three stars played, but Karis Levert did because it was prior to the Harden trade. Jared Allen did. Torian Prince did. Joe Harris had a huge game off the bench that day. And then you're right. The second time they played, it was just James Harden. Now it looks, and if I had to guess, I'd say it's just Kevin Durant and I mean, it's not any sign of what Nets Sixers would look like in a best of seven series, assuming we're headed there. But I don't feel good about this game when you don't have either Kyrie Irving or James Harden out there. That's for sure. After that, the regular season is going to be about eventually getting these three guys to play together, which we talk about endlessly. And for Steve Nash to figure out his rotations and figure out the mixes that work. So to me, this is probably the last big regular season game. You want to pick out a game against the Miami Heat and say, hey, that's an interesting game because it's Miami, could be a first-round opponent, could be a second-round opponent, fine. But in terms of standings, in terms of you know getting the number one seed, I do know they have a back-to-back -back with the Bucs, so I'm sure yeah. down the road that'll feel significant. Mm -hmm. This is a monstrous game, and look, what's frustrating about this team, and I know what could you be frustrated about, they're 36-17, and 17, is from a night-to-night -night basis, you have no idea who's going to play. Yeah, Everybody, you, you all three of them you don't know. You, you hit on it, and that's what, when you were talking about it, that's what was jumping in my mind. The biggest concern now is we've seen just all of these different versions of the Nets. We don't know what they are going into the playoffs. I, I couldn't tell you right now what the rotations are going to be like for Steve Nash in the playoffs. I have no idea. I don't know how many times you can talk about a team that the borderline one, two, like a, a one seed or whatever, the, you know, right now one, two with Philly. And you go, yeah, I have a general idea of what's going to be coming off the bench, what it's going to look like. I have no 
freaking clue of any of the thoughts on the rotation. And that's the part that is a little troublesome is the unknown on that front that you're just going to, and let's be honest, most likely you're going to go into the playoffs and you're going to learn what that is in the moment. Okay. Blake Griffin's going to play 15. Okay. It looks like LaMarcus is going to start. Claxton's going to come off the bench, but they're going to ride Aldridge at the end. Okay. It looks like it's going to be Tyler Johnson getting these minutes. Okay. It looks like Shamit doesn't have it. TLC's out of the rotation. Does Bruce Brown come in and all, like all of these questions that us nutty net fans have dissected and thought about and go over, over and again, I have no idea. Like it wouldn't surprise me if you said, we, we did a podcast and we get, why did Bruce Brown not get minutes? Like that could be a topic. It just, <laughs> you have no idea of what's going to come, but again, it's maddening because they're so good. And this is the best Nets team record wise through this many games ever. Yet there's so many questions is a very fascinating basketball team on a national landscape. Yeah. It's fascinating for everybody watching. It's like a science experiment for you exactly. and me and people listening. It's, it's heart pounding because we have worked ourselves into a situation where they have to win an NBA championship. Now, mm -hmm. luckily, and this does make me feel a little bit better because I do want to compare this. I know there's no comparison to the year where they made the KG Paul Pierce trade, but the comparison I'll make is when they made that trade, it was a one-year window. Right. That was it because Paul Pierce was a free agent, even though I thought the Nets would re-sign him it really turned into a one-year window based on how old KG was and the fact they had to make a decision about Paul Pierce. Here's what we know, for, forgetting about what these three guys are going to do in the future. It's really a two-year window. I mean, we do have next year where all of yeah. these guys are back. Now, I don't know about LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin. Obviously, the Nets could fill out the roster in other ways. If it sounds like I'm talking to myself to say, look, if they don't win an NBA title, it's not the end of the world. There's another year to try. I sort of am, but I'm sort of not because I know that if this team doesn't win a championship, we're going to be mocked completely and we're going to be devastated. But it is nice to know that these three guys are going to be on this basketball team next year, hopefully beyond, hopefully beyond, but we know they are here next year. So this window is not this fleeting moment in time. It does have an opening that's not just this year, but next year as well. I know, I know. You're right. That's that. That is uh, fair, but all also too like uh, second round of the playoffs, game six. Giannis oh. goes for 41 and it was six for seven from three, and oh. the Nets are done. I mean, it's going to be the longest four or five months ever. It's going <laughs> to suck. It's going to be awful. And then they'll be the you know the, the revenge and coming back, and then they win the championship. And we'll be all excited. But at, at this point, it's just. Just gotta, we gotta do it now, man. It just, just gotta no, do it now. I and know, I, I, know. I, 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 um, I just want to see them all play together. Like, what does that look like? It, it, it just, it's the iron, the irony too of Durant's back, Harden's out. It's like the timing could not have been any more perfect. And of course, it's hamstring injuries. And you know, you just knock on wood when we find find out the uh, the Harden status. My God, I hope it's okay. You know, it's, I don't want to. I don't want Durant 2.0 with James Harden. At that I point, know. it's like give me give me uh, give me Levert and, and Allen back if he's not going to play. And, and here's the crazy part: it's April mid. It's mid April right now. April yeah. 11, 12, 13, depending on when you're listening. We are mm -hmm. a little over a month away from the playoffs. You know, so yes. it's not we've got hey two three months. It's literally a little bit over a month before the postseason starts. Now couple of things. Alice A. Johnson, who the Nets signed, and I remember when they signed him a few weeks ago, my reaction was, I don't know who this guy is. And I think you had the same reaction. Who the hell is right. this guy? He's been impressive 
<laughs> I got to admit, yes. in the six games that he's played, the Nets gave him two 10-day contracts and then had to make a decision. All right, do we want to keep this kid around? He's only 24 years old, and they signed him to a guaranteed contract. So mm. I don't think he's going to have much of a role the rest of the way, barring there being more injuries. But I think this is Sean Marks, while trying to win, pulling another, trying to find diamonds in the rough, like he did with Spencer Dinwiddie, like he did with Joe Harris uh, in Alice A. Johnson. So I wouldn't expect him to have a pivotal role over the next couple of weeks. But maybe in 2022, maybe in 2023, we look back at the signing of Alice A. Johnson the way we look at finding Dinwiddie and Harris off the scrap heap. Yeah, I agree with all of that. But I will say the what he's brought to this team that they have lacked is a guy that can that's brought energy, attacked the basket, and has just been like all over the court. I mean, in that game versus the Knicks, he really helped change the landscape of where that game was going in the third quarter and, and made it a different contest when they just out when they beat the Knicks, not because they're more talented. They beat the Knicks because they just out hustled them. And he was a part of that. So I do think there's room for him potentially to be in a lineup where it's like, all right, Nets are showing some sluggishness early. Here we go. Let's put in Johnson. Let's see what happens. I wouldn't be stunned if he got more run and got some minutes and was impactful on that aspect. But to, you know, you're completely right. I don't think it's, you know, game seven versus the uh, the Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals. We're going into the fourth quarter. He's going to – Coach Nash is going to go with someone he feels stable with. But don't be shocked if he gets some run and gets some minutes. I was hoping he would go in there in the Lakers game. Yeah. Before he got a little bit out of control. You know, he got all the garbage time in the fourth, but it was like <laughs> at least he tried and was bringing some effort. energy. Like yeah. the effort. Yeah, exactly. They have, they have a couple of guys like that. I mean, Bruce Brown obviously brings that kind of energy that you need. And, and sometimes they come out with energy like that. I mean, you look back at the Pelican game this week – I mean, that was a game in which they locked in on their opponent and destroyed them. And there was effort throughout. You mentioned the Nick game. And I, I think the Nick game is a great example of it because it looked like a lost cause. It looked like, all right, not going to win tonight. James Harden's out with the hamstring issue. All right, this is an L. And they fought back against the team that needed the game more in the Knicks and showed great fight down the stretch of that game and pulled it out. And I don't know how you felt because I know you take these net Nick games seriously the way I do. I was already resigning myself halfway yes. through. All right. Yes. It's a loss. We won the season series. The bigger concern is James Harden. Let's not freak out. They only had one guy. But then when they come back, especially the way they did, God, it was a sweet feeling. It was the the most rewarding net victory over the Knicks this season in the three games that they played. And what I, what I love the most about that one, and I agree with you, I was on the same page. I was like, all right, uh, Harden's out. They're just not having it tonight. This is one of those games where it's an L season series completely on board with you. What I loved about that win more than anything was that the, you know, the scrappy Knicks that come out there and beat teams, they shouldn't be, they're overachieving. The Nets came out and they used that tactic on them. Joe Harris on the glass offensive rebound, putting in the basket, not just his three point shooting, his offensive rebounding, uh, Bruce Brown, Johnson. It was all of the dirty little things that beat the Knicks. And that's what just made it even that much better. But you're right too, Evan, when they come out of the gates and they try, they beat the crap out of teams. The the most recent teams games I think about it was the Hornet game and the Pelican game, which I guess those two teams used to be the same one or whatever. (laughs) They went out there and those games were over when they try early and they just, and they, and, and the other teams not making shots, these games are disgusting. Like they are done fast. That's why it's even more frustrating when they see the Lakers yeah. and they're missing Gasol, 
uh, Kuzma, some guy named Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and there's no effort there. It's frustrating. It is. Yeah. And I get it. There are people. There's days I'm not as good as I could be, whatever. But, you know, like I know you, you know, the Mets had a crap loss that day. You get excited. You're like, I'm going to go in here. I'm going to watch the Nets tonight. I'm all pumped up about this. And then midway through the third quarter, you're going, okay, what's on Netflix? Yes. It just blows. I, I left City Field on Saturday afternoon, and some guy yelled at me, at least you have the Brooklyn Nets. And I said, thanks. Yeah, right. And, well, it, it didn't work out that night. Uh, the, Harden, right. the Harden stuff, because obviously that happened on Monday. We're glad he's back. He's not back. He plays four minutes. He gets hurt again. Mm. It's a reason why, as much as you and I bitch and other people complain about, boy, they baby these guys. It's why you have to baby these guys, because look what happened. James Harden wants to play. He's made that obvious with his actions and with his words. He doesn't want maintenance days. He wants to play. And he goes out, comes back and four and a half minutes in. He's out again. So now we've got to wait 10 days. By the way, 10 days after the Nick game takes you to Thursday of this week. So hopefully we get some kind of update on James Harden. But even when we're frustrated, he's not back. We have to understand you got to take your time with him because the last thing you want to do is have a guy come back and re-injure himself again. But that's what this year has been. It's been start and stop. Now they have a great record and obviously they won a hell of a lot more than they've lost. But the injury stuff just, it scares you. I mean, every no, single it night it's, you're, you're waiting to hear did this guy get her? Like watching KD the last two games, it's been nerve wracking because I'm staring at his skinny legs, wondering, are they healthy? Is he okay? How's he feeling? That's going through my mind the entire time. Oh man. Every time he goes to the floor, we talked about it earlier in the year. He was on every, every time he went to the floor, he takes a charge. He goes to the basket. He had that one play, the nice runway dunk that he had on, yes. uh, he had in the game. Every time he goes to the basket, Evan, it jumps in my head. If he hit hard, this is done. And it's, I'm glad he doesn't think that way because then he would just be a shell of himself and he has to be aggressive. But for sure, it crosses my mind like, all right, here he goes. There's the play going to the basket. He's fouled. He took a charge, like the charge he took in the, uh, in the Pelican game. And then it got reversed. That one in particular, I'm like, <laughs> it was like, that'd be okay. Be okay. <laughs> I know. Uh, and, all, and all this, and all the stock that goes in there, but man, yeah, it's it's just you live and die with these guys going on the floor and every injury. It's just and then it's just you look at the time. You're like, you're right. It's mid-April. I mean, it's around the corner. It's, yeah. it's go time coming up. Yeah, we'll see how they do this week. They have Minnesota Monday night without LaMarcus, without Kyrie Irving. We know the big showdown with the Sixers in Philly on Wednesday, the rematch with the Hornets on Friday and then actually an interesting game against Miami on a Sunday afternoon. So they got four games. We'll see how they do. We'll see if Kyrie comes back. I mean, when Kyrie goes away. For uh, personal reasons, and again, I hope everything's all right, I never know when to expect him back. And here's the other thing. I, I now saw what pissed off Kyrie Irving about Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder called him one of the worst words in the world, and Kyrie was pissed about it, and I don't think anybody can blame him for that. What I wonder about, and this is, this is screwed up, but I'm going to be honest with you, because I remember what Kevin Garnett used to do. Kevin Garnett would want to find your weakness. Okay, he would want to find the thing that he can trash talk you about to get you out of your game. We remember what he said about Carmelo Anthony, and it made him lose his mind. Now, I get there aren't a lot of Kevin Garnett's walking around anymore who looked at trash talk as an art. But will Kyrie Irving be a target of people who say, I know how I can get under his skin? And I hope that's not the case, because God knows the Nets need Kyrie Irving in big moments, and he's got to keep his cool. But he got pissed off at Dennis Schroeder. I don't blame him. 
And I and I also do blame the officials because I don't think yeah. as annoyed as Kyrie yeah. was at Dennis Schroeder that that should have led to an ejection. What did Kyrie Irving do that led to the officials saying we have to get him out of this game? He was pissed off at a guy. Let the right. two men discuss it. Obviously, don't let them fight. Let them yell at each other. I don't think we've got to eject Kyrie and then eventually Dennis Schroeder. I, I agree with you completely on the ref front of things. And I was thinking about the Nick game from from a few days earlier when TLC and Julius Randle got into it and they called double fouls. Nobody got ejected. And that was when they were guys were going into their face. It was the same kind of back and forth between two players. And not only were there no technicals, it was just a, it was just a foul and they moved on. I think the refs ejecting guys there is just a bad, bad move. You want to see these guys play and compete. And again, yeah, I don't blame Kyrie. I mean, let him be frustrated. Let him be angry. He has every right as a human being when he feels when, when he feels and hears something that is just so dis- disgusting and grotesque. Yeah, he's allowed to be upset. That's what being a human is. That's the, the normalcy of when you hear something like that for him to feel that anger. That, but I, I would say, even I don't, I don't think I'm worried about Kyrie. He's never been ejected from a game until I believe yesterday against the Knicks, or excuse me, against the Lakers when that happened. And I think people have too much respect and love for Kyrie around the league for people to go that kind of low blow and do something like that. I think Kyrie's going to be good. He's going to be fine. First time he's ever been ejected. I have full faith in Kyrie when he's on the court. That's, that, that he'll be on there. And again, you never know what's going to happen in an NBA game, so it's nothing's a perfect world. But I have faith in Kyrie when he's on there. He'll be good. Uh, big week coming up. The showdown with the Sixers on Wednesday. We'll talk about it next week. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast.